fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Well, yesterday the White House blamed parents for the baby uh, formula shortage. Uh, The Washington Post came out and said for Pinocchios that uh, the Biden administration has uh, shipped pallets of baby formula down to the border, although it actually said, yes, they did do that, but they were required by law to do that. And so you can't hold them responsible for upholding the law. No, but can we hold them responsible for selectively upholding the law? Bill O'Reilly is here. He is, by the way, an 18th number one New York Times bestseller. His book, Killing the Killers, just came out this week. It's number one. I don't know how you do that on the New York Times. He's number one in all all of the, the, the lists. But the New York Times, he might be a secret progressive. Number one book in the country now, Killing the Killers by Bill O'Reilly. It's a great book, by the way. He's coming up in 60. So I had a really disturbing conversation with a uh, with an industrialist, and we were talking about, you know, the future of our country. And he talked about immediately our schools, what we're teaching, how kids don't go out and play baseball anymore. So, you know, they go out and play in a, you know, in a league, but they don't go out and they have to organize it themselves they have to be the referee themselves they have to make the calls and settle fights and everything he's like they're not learning anything to actually be brought to a business world and they're not they're they're being sheltered so they're not risking how do we get the next generation to risk and understand how exciting it is and how good it is to be an entrepreneur and follow your path Well, the Tuttle Twins have a magazine that comes out monthly. It's called the Tuttle Times, and it is dedicated to teaching your kids about entrepreneurship and other freedom-related things. And they show kids that are just inspiring, kids that have started their own businesses who are, are living the American dream at their age. Get access to this magazine now at a reduced price for your kids or your grandkids, $49 for the entire year. Inspire them. Show them what life can really be like. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Bill O'Reilly, congratulations on your uh, number one status. Uh, You deserve it. Killing the killers. Thank you. It is on the New York Times uh, list as number one, and that's not easy to do, as everybody knows. Um, I got the uh, I got the word on Thursday. I was in Manhattan, uh, and I immediately went to St. Patrick's Cathedral, where my parents were married, and I said a prayer. I, I mean, even though this is the 18th time I've been number one with the books, um, it's still to me almost a magical occurrence that that happens. We put a lot of hard work in these books. There's no doubt we do. And they're good and they're interesting to read and you learn a lot. But I don't take this for granted, Beck. I mean, it's not like I take uh, being on with Beck on Friday for granted either. But this more so. The yeah, number one thing is... You're, you're, you know, our relationship on air is, uh, is fun. Uh, but you wrote a very nice letter when you found out. You were very humble, which I, th- I really thought Makeda had written the email. 
because you're very <laughs> humble, and and it was really nice um, to hear. Thank and I was you. so ha- I'm so happy for the success. But look, people are, they don't understand how hard this is to do. Number one, uh, and when I get a guy like you who's got millions of listeners, and he says he likes the book, and people know that you barely read any books, then yeah. it means a lot. Yeah. And, and it's no, true. I I know, and uh, thank it's you true. for using me. Anyway, uh, so, Bill, what is the number one story uh, this week in your, in your uh, mind? The total collapse. You know, can, I, I, I want to advance this story now, the Biden story. So it's beyond any kind of debate. If, if you in your life have a person who still thinks that Joe Biden is doing a good job as president, then you might want to reevaluate that relationship. Because it, it's a delusional relationship. You're not dealing with a person who's got a grasp on reality. So when a, a wholesale uh, price index comes in at 11.3, and nobody knows what that is, but it's, it's what all of the vendors that you use, your grocery store, your 7-Eleven, your Subway sandwich shop, whatever it may be, those are the wholesale vendors. When they're paying 11.3% more for their product, guess who's going to have to pay that uh, down the road? Right. Okay, guess. Maybe that's us. So, it's not explained. The media doesn't explain this. They're embarrassed now. The media is just embarrassed because they were all behind Biden. They were in a tank for Biden. They never warned any about Biden. Beck and I did. And I remember those conversations in, in the fall of 2020 with you. Uh, we both said, you may not like Trump, and there are many good reasons not to like him. But if you put this guy in, we're all going to suffer. And it's exactly what has happened. So now we have to advance the story. Because people, if you don't earn a lot of money, if you are a service worker, if you are in a union, okay, your salary isn't going up in correspondence with the prices. So therefore, your lifestyle is going down. We all understand this. So, Bill, you know, we're, we're sitting here um today i i I just don't think there is any doubt we've gone from america first which the left and the media thought was just so horrible we have literally gone to america last and i i said the people who are designing the policies for biden it is clear they hate America. They hate America. Yeah, I know this is circulating around on the Internet that that Biden, in conjunction with Obama, are trying to tank the country. I, I don't I'm not even including him. I don't think he's in, uh, that important, in my opinion. OK, it is the people who are there. writing whoever it is that are designing these policies. No, you no, no, cannot no, no. be this wrong this much. Yes, you can. Oh, you can. Okay, so on the right-wing websites, the conservative, you know, the real hardcore right, they basically say this is intentional to to tank the economy so that socialism rises up and the progressive left gets what they want. We whip out all traditions in America. We whip out the capitalist system so they're doing it on purpose. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. What I think is happening is James Buchanan is back. All right. 
So the White House is supposed to be haunted on the second floor. That's the residences, <laughs> all right? And all the past presidents are supposed to be floating around in apparitions, all right? So I write today in my message today on BillOReilly.com that Joe Biden should summon James Buchanan. Who was James Buchanan? Nobody knows because that would require history teachers to actually teach, and that's, of course, not happening in America. 15th president of the United States, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, lifelong bachelor. Many people feel that he was gay. Uh, That's probably true. All right. That's his social problem. Gets elected president after the immortal Pierce, Franklin Pierce, who was drunk pretty much every day he was in a White House, Franklin Pierce. A lot of wine flowing. So Pierce goes out. Buchanan comes in. Buchanan then allows the South to loot and steal all the federal armories, to take all the guns. Buchanan does nothing. Seven states secede in his four years. Basically say, blank you, James Buchanan. We're leaving because we like slavery, and that's what we're doing. So then Buchanan leaves after doing nothing back Nothing for four years, allowing chaos to reign. Lincoln comes in, Civil War, worst debacle in American history, um, hundreds of thousands dead and maimed, and it's all on James Buchanan. And then he goes back to Pennsylvania and says, oh, it wasn't my fault. That's Biden. That's Biden. So when you say he did nothing, that was the the last part of Obama's term. What what Joe Biden is or his administration is doing is not nothing. They are. I mean, look, we are depleting our strategic oil reserves, sending the oil over to Europe putting us into a very dangerous situation. They are canceling another oil uh, auction for for really oil-rich property while we have the highest gas prices. Uh, we have baby food shortages, and they're just blaming it on the kids while there are pallets of baby food down at the border, which are required by law. If you're going to have people, you have to make sure you can take care of the infants, and that's right. But why are they selectively doing that law when they have an open border policy? They're killing us every single way, every okay. way possible. Number one, those kids are eating too much, Beck. We got to cut back on that nutrition to those yeah. kids. All right, they're lucky they got out of the womb. After Biden, he wouldn't have any. He doesn't want any limitations on. They were they're lucky they got here. What are they whining about baby formula now? Is that what we're hearing? Look, Biden gets in there. He doesn't know what he's doing. Would you and Stu agree with that? Yeah, he definitely uh, does not know what he's doing. I don't okay. think he he's understands. Not yeah, he's he not cannot competent. Administrate. Yes, yes. He can't do it. People come to Biden. They walk into the Oval Office and they say, hey, let's cancel the pipeline because it's bad for climate change. And Biden says, OK. Then they come in and they say, let's not enforce border law because that's mean to the migrants. And Biden goes, Okay, then they say, hey, um, under Trump, inflation was just one point four percent and Trump had to deal with the covid shutdown completely. Now, under you, it's 11 percent. But let's blame covid. 
And he goes, okay, this is a man who cannot yeah, think but what in I'm s- the office. I agree with that, but I'm talking about the people who are coming into the office. All right, but they're he's not, not all morons. Personnel decision. Yes. He's not going to say, "Hey, Larry, you're an idiot," and the last seven things you've told me to do have been horrible for the country. People don't understand what the word incapacitated means. He can't make decisions on he anything. Is, whether he knows it or not, he is overseeing a group of people that are in a death cult. What they are doing is causing, I mean, look, just look at the border. We have now the, the CDC's national vital statistics from uh, 2021. There were 107,622 Americans between 18 and 49 that died from fentanyl. Okay, that's the largest number of Americans who have died from drug overdoses ever and an increase of about 15 percent in increase from 2020, an increase of 50 percent from 2019. Now, you've got those numbers. Now, let's look at uh, what happened with covid same time period 18 to 49 in 2021 so i'm giving it at the height 1849 one year there were only 41,000 deaths and we shut down everything everything we are killing our 18 to 49 year old adults and they don't give a flying crap okay that's all true but do you think Joe Biden has a sheet of paper with those stats in front of him and he's actually thinking about how to solve No, but I do think no, but I do think the no. people who are making policy, for instance, the safe smoking kits with the free crack pipe. Somebody put that together, the, yeah. then somebody hid it, Saki, somebody made the decision to hide it, and now we do know that yes, five cities got free crack pipes. Listen, you can do this all day long. You can, you can, every policy, everyone that the federal government has dealt with in the last 16 months has failed. So you might think that there'd be some firings, right? Maybe some new blood come in. No, because Biden doesn't know the difference between success and failure. See, people, when I say this, they don't believe me. They don't believe me. No, I think I, I think we have a president you, who I, cannot think. I know he is incapable of thinking. But you, you, you might think that you and I disagree. We don't. On that no, part, I, I, we're I understand in. That we're in lockstep. Is these incompetent people around him doing these crazy things? We're tri- right, yes, <laughs> we're- yes, but nobody's going to replace them. All right, because that would have to come from Biden. Yeah. And he doesn't know what they're doing, doesn't care particularly what they're doing, wants to go to Delaware and have some jello. Mm-hmm. Where he is. And also spend some of his Chinese money. All right. Back with uh, uh, Bill O'Reilly here in just a second. I want to talk to you about the new press secretary, Bill, when we come back. All right. Rough Greens. Bart wrote in, my dog loves rough green. She has been skinny and doesn't eat much. When I received my trial bag, I dipped a spoonful of rough greens in and held it out in front of her nose. She immediately lunged forward like she does when I hold out a meaty treat. 
I dumped the spoonful on top of her existing food. She watched me intensely as I stirred it in. Uh, she ate everything in her bowl in five minutes. Thank you so much, Rough Greens. Thank you, Bart, for trying it. And the trial pack is is free, so you can you can try it just to make sure your dog eats it because that's the number one thing. I don't even know what it is. Probably. 10 or 20 percent of people who are like, my dog won't eat it. And I know picky eaters, um, but your dog usually loves this stuff and and your dog needs all of these things. So you can get a free bag just to make sure your dog eats it. And the longer you put rough greens on their food, the more changes you will see in your dog. I am telling you, I'm still seeing changes in Udo in Uno. Uh, get your first bag free just to try out. If you like it, all you pay for is the shipping. Just go to roughgreens.com slash Beck, roughgreens.com slash Beck, or call 833-GLEN-33, 833-GLEN-N-33. Call them today. 10 seconds, station ID. Okay, so Jen Psaki is now out. I would love to hear your analysis uh, of her quickly and then what you expect from Karine Jean-Pierre. Okay, Psaki did an excellent job for Biden and a terrible job for the country. But that job now, White House Press Secretary, is just propaganda. I mean, it's not like these people are going to tell anybody the truth. They, they tell us what they are told to say by Ron Klain. Ron Klain is the uh, top advisor of Biden in the White House. He's the chief of staff. He tells Saki every day, this is what you're going to say. All right, these are the anticipated questions, and here's how you answer them. Saki goes out in an excellent manner and with authority and, you know, Condescension. Calm. Condescension. What, yeah, she's yeah. arrogant, mm-hmm. but, you know, most of them are. Come on, we all know that. And then, but here's the thing about Saki. Saki knows the ship, it be sinking. And Saki knew that six months ago. So Saki is the only person now who is benefiting from inflation. Stay with me. So when Saki saw that this was going to be a disaster, her people started negotiating with MSNBC for a job. But as inflation went up, so did her salary demands. And she got a lot more money now than she would have gotten, I don't know, eight months ago. Mm -hmm. So she's actually prospered. Now, the new one is not nearly as smooth and experienced as Saki. So she's likely to get rattled, but if any question comes to her that she can't answer or she doesn't look good, it's going to be racist. Uh, Yeah, and well, let me tell you, uh, she tweeted in 2016, she said Donald Trump is a deplorable, illegitimate president. Of course. She called him a cheater, a criminal. Um, I mean, she has said some awful awful things here's one brian camp stole the gubernatorial election from georgians and stacy abrams she still has said that stacy abrams is a legitimate winner of that there's nobody that is is intelligent at all that believes that unless you're intelligent and you're just a 
bald-faced liar. But uh, that's what she got the job for, because she delivers propaganda, and that's what they want. They don't want anybody who's going to actually level with the folks and say, you know what, the uh, 11.3 wholesale inflation rate, that's going to really hurt every American in the next five months. No, but you, um, you don't have to say yeah. it that way, but you can say the truth. You know what I mean? You, you, I mean, you can spin the truth, but the, the truth doesn't even matter with these people anymore. Doesn't matter. Are you going to watch uh, Jen Psaki at 9 o'clock on MSNBC? Are you going to watch her? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Riveted. <laughs> Riveted. I, I mean, I don't even know where MSNBC is on the uh, in the cable box. Yeah. Um, not, but look, this yeah. is the country we live in now. All right. Bill O'Reilly, his new book is Killing the Killers. It is great. It is the true story about... Uh, how we got the terrorists um, and what we did and the truth on um, enhanced interrogation and so much more. Killing the Killers, available in bookstores everywhere. Bill, thank you. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. The Glenn Beck Program. Carol just wrote me in about her experience with relief after she says, I have arthritis in my left foot. It used to be really painful at night. Ever since I started taking relief factor on a regular basis, the stiffness is remarkably better. I am absolutely amazed. Thank you so much. Carol, thanks for trying it. I mean, I don't know if you were like this, but I was. I just didn't think it would work for me, but it does. Relief Factor was created by doctors to help your body reduce inflammation. That's the source of most of our pain. And it has four different ways it, attra- uh, it um, attacks inflation, working together with your body. Um, and, you know, like ibuprofen attacks it one way. This has four different lines of attack. And I think that's why it works when, you know, ibuprofen 800 never works for me. Three-week quick start. Developed for you, nineteen ninety-five. It's a dollar a day like a trial pack. Hundreds of thousands of people have ordered Relief Factor, and about 70% of them go on to order more. It's relieffactor.com. Relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. 1-800, the number 4-RELIEF. Relieffactor.com. Relief Factor. Feel the difference. Now it's the time to subscribe to Blaze TV. Don't miss it. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. I have to tell you, um, the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp thing, they deserve each other, quite honestly. I mean, I, I know very little about it except there was poop in a shoe or poop in the bed. It was on a bed, yeah. Maybe the shoe was on the bed. I thought it was... The shoe uh, may have been on the bed. There may have been poop in the bed and poop in a shoe. I'm not really sure. I don't really care. Um, it is fascinating to watch this thing play out, though, uh, because most Americans, you know, not the smarter Americans... Um, just care so deeply about Johnny Depp or Amber Heard or blah, blah, blah. Well, I read the first article that I cared about uh, from Azra Nomani, who is a uh, frequent guest on this program, good friend of the program. She wrote it in The Federalist. How the Washington Post and ACLU helped Amber Heard attack Johnny Depp. Listen to this because it's amazing. Um, Azra is on with us now. Hi, Azra. How are you? Oh, good. How are you? You can hear me. Um, clinking away while I warm some 
water so I can I don't cough through the oh. interview. Yes. Well, thank you for thank you for being <laughs> on with me. Absolutely. Um, what a great article. Can you lay this oh out? Gosh. Because I don't think most oh people God. even know any of this. Yeah. Important. And I'm glad that you, you know, are had a full disclosure that you don't care, you know, on the celebrity. I don't. Crime. I don't. Yeah, that's fine. That's absolutely cool. And but the thing is, this is so important as a window into money, politics and Hollywood. OK, right. that's what's so critical here. So what we have playing out is this is our two celebrities, right, with mm-hmm. a, a, a terrible relationship, both of them. Um, you know, unhealthy. Yeah, deeply broken, Uh, both. Deeply broken, exactly. And so, you know, our humanity has to extend to all people. Sure. Well, then what we have is um, a nonprofit, a quote-unquote nonprofit, right? The ACLU, 501c3, multi-million dollar organization, right, that has lost its way, according to even an Atlantic article Mm -hmm. last week, taking advantage of this story and catapulting then Amber Heard to become their poster girl for women's rights. Okay, so now they did this. Didn't she um, say that she was giving, I think, $3 million to the ACLU from the divorce settlement, right? Yes. And she only gave like 500 grand and then others started to pay for her. But yeah. So what I did is, so to back up a little bit, right, I, as you are, like we've written op-eds, right? Mm-hmm. We know how they are written, we know how they are placed, we know how they are promoted. So what I did is I just analyzed how it is that Amber Heard's op-ed appeared in the Washington Post, and I broke it down into six phases, and the first phase was establishing her credibility. Because, you know, at the end of every op-ed, you have two lines that are in italics, and they establish who the person is and why they are a subject matter expert, right? So what happened is that Amber Heard, her italics says that she is now, you know, working as this ACLU women's rights advocate. Well, it was a classic pay-to-play operation where... She said that she was going to donate her $7 million of divorce settlement, you know, this altruistic act to the ACLU and a children's hospital in L.A. But indeed, just as you just said, she only donated a very small portion. And then the court testimony reveals that, in fact, Johnny Depp paid $100,000 directly to the ACLU because he's like, why have a middleman, you know, in this operation Mm -hmm. if she's going to be so altruistic? And then who does she end up also having donate? She had none other than her next boyfriend, Elon Musk. And, and so that's the first phase. She established her credibility, and the ACLU established her credibility. But behind the scenes was this classic pay-to-play. And explain what happened there. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so they've established her as an ambassador for women's rights. And now they have... Um, this is, I'm going to take people back to the fall of 2018. It's a long time ago, but just think about, we have President Trump, okay, in office. So think about that. He's been in office a couple of years now. We have just had, um, you know, Betsy DeVos, 
name mm-hmm. early on in the administration. Yep. And we have this little thing called Title IX, and that was a very controversial issue. It's supposed to have given women equal rights in schools, right? But what happened is that through politics, it ended up becoming a hit job, which is a term that you're going to hear again on men oftentimes on college campuses where they were not given due process. Right. And so are you gonna, you're going to hear a theme here now because what they did is in um, November 2018, a communications staffer for the ACLU sends a pitch to Amber Heard's PR person and says, hey, wouldn't it'd be great if Amber Heard wrote an op-ed and Title IX was one of the issues that this um, communication staffer said. And let me, let me actually quote yeah. that memo. I, yeah, I'd like please, your, your and Amber's thoughts on doing an op-ed in which she discusses the way in which survivors of gender-based violence have been made less safe under the Trump administration and how people can take action. If she feels comfortable, she can interweave her personal story saying how painful it is as a gender based violence survivor to witness these setbacks. Yes. Okay. It's the, the, so you and I know as writers and, and I'll give folks context that I taught writing the reported op-ed at Georgetown university to students So I've been writing op-eds myself for 20 years, and I taught it. And one of the first things that I always taught students, as you know too, Glenn, is give people a personal connection. That's exactly what they did. And I didn't study my rhetoric, but later in life I learned pathos, ethos, logos, right? So you have to have logic, you have to have rationality, and you have to have the personal story. And that's what they then grabbed for okay. Amber Heard to amplify. So I've got about three minutes to finish this oh story. But so, so the, the writer, the ACLU writes back, tried to gather your fire and your rage and really yeah. interesting analysis and shape that into op-ed form. Um, uh, I hope it sounds true to you. <laughs> yeah. Your lawyers should review this for the way I skirted around talking about your marriage. So she didn't even she didn't write it. It was presented yeah. to her. Yes, and, and then the rest of the story that's so important is the ACLU communication staff pitched it to Michael Larrabee, op-ed editor at the Washington Post. He should have known better. They should have known better. And they are complicit in this hit job on Johnny Depp. And this is not just about celebrity, but this is about the abuse of power by a nonprofit organization and a j- journalism operation a complete breach of ethics. There's no transparency in who wrote this piece. And if any one of my students had presented an assignment written by another student, they would have failed, right? Right. And so they owe um, Johnny Depp an apology, their readers an apology, and they they should just retract the op-ed. But it's an important critical window into how it is that um, these special interest groups place their Uh, quote subject matter experts in there to push their own talking points. Azra Namani, thank you so much. Um, Oh my gosh, thank you, you Glenn. The the Washington Post did publish this in their opinion section under the headline, Amber Heard, I spoke up against sexual violence and faced our culture's wrath, and that has to change.
There's a lot of things the Washington Post should maybe take under advisement, in my opinion, which I actually author, that have to change. So here's the good news. If your car breaks down, you'll have the right tools on hand. I can, I, I know I'm going to do it, not because I have a toolbox, not because I, you know, I, I can't, I could take it apart, but I never put it back together. Car Shield is going to take care of it. Car Shield will cover the, uh, the covered repair. They will uh, pick me up on the side of the road if, if my car breaks down. They will get it to the dealership or your mechanic, whichever you choose. They write the check. They take care of everything. And you can lock in the price. Right now, everything is going up. So the wages of the mechanic and the dealership and the prices of the parts and everything, that's all going up. But you won't have to worry about it if you have CarShield because you're going to lock in your price today and it won't go up for as long as you have this policy. When your car breaks down, count on CarShield for your help. Get the coverage that I have on my, my, my old trucks up at the farm. It's uh, carshield.com slash back, carshield.com slash back, or call 800-391-8888. 800-391-8888. It's carshield.com slash back. The Glenn Beck Program. Hey, show and tell. Uh, this is a time you really want Blaze TV, uh, just for fun purposes. Coming up in uh, just a few, I'm going to be doing show and tell. Uh, there are some items that uh, I have been blessed to be able to acquire and hold for the Mercury uh, Museum and uh, History Vault. And I'm going to show you some some things that you just you won't believe. Some you really just, cool stuff. Really cool stuff. You'll be able to watch it on Blaze TV, and I'll describe it if you happen to be listening uh, to the podcast or uh, or radio. I'm, one th- one thing I am really really tired of uh, this week is everyone saying that cryptocurrency is over. Oh yeah, it's is it that time of year again? It is that time of it's year. It's that time of year. It's where over. We all say it's this never all coming over back. again. Never coming back. It's over. Right. Now that now all of these people have written this article already years ago. Mm-hmm. Every time cryptocurrency goes down, they write the same article, and it always says like crypto is dead. Uh, all the people they 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 find one person who bought at the absolute peak and is down fifty percent. Yeah. And they highlight their life and how it's been destroyed. Mm-hmm. And this is over and it's going to never going to come back. And it's amazing because none of it coincides with anything uh, of anyone in the government. No. And their wishes and what they're trying to do. No, everything no. they do is fine. Yeah. But so I decided to look back at, now that we're at a low point here, right? Like we're down. Cryptocurrencies had a really bad year. Uh, how bad has it been? Uh-huh. And let's compare it to a normal investment. Okay. Okay. All right. So here Good. we go. All right. If you had invested $10,000 $10,000 in the Dow Jones Industrial Average, yes, 1 year ago, 1 year ago, you would have $9,630 today. So you'd Wait be a minute. down a little bit. Okay. But not a lot. All right. Just a little bit. Sure. Now, people would note that if you invested that same $10,000 a year ago in Bitcoin, you would be down a little more. You would actually only have $8,500. 
So that's a thousand dollars difference. That's and bad. Pretty bad, right? That's bad. So one of the th- big critics- we should stop there no. and not look at any other time windows. It's interesting because that seems to be what all of these articles are predicated that's on. That's weird. If we look at one. The worst possible time window for cryptocurrency looks pretty bad. But I thought maybe, how long do you invest in? Is it always a year? Is it less than a year? My idea was when you invest in something, you're usually holding it for multiple years. That was what I thought was. sure. So let's look back two years ago. Now, the two years ago time frame is is interesting because it would basically encapsulate what we would call the inflationary period. Two years ago was May 2020. So this is when we're just starting to dump trillions of dollars mm-hmm. uh, onto the onto the into the economy, mm-hmm. and people to have fight nothing COVID. to do. And they can't. They can't do anything. Can't do anything. So this is They're when inflation home. starts churning. This is the two-year mm-hmm. period of inflation. We've okay. been told in these crypto is dead columns. Yes, that it, it, cryptocurrency is not working as a hedge against inflation because look at this one day where inflation numbers came out high and cryptocurrency went down. Got it. Instead, let's look at the entire inflationary period from two years ago. Mm-hmm. If you invested in the Dow ten thousand dollars, you would have thirteen thousand. $400. It's a good return. It's a great return. It's a good, much better than a bank yeah, account or something. Great sure. return. If you invested that same $10,000 in Bitcoin two years ago, you would have $33,500. That's better? That's better. That's better. That's better. Okay, I wasn't sure. I'm not good at math. It's, but crypto was dead. Remember so that. $30,000. $33,000 or $13,000. Which one would you rather have? I think mm-hmm. I would rather have the thirty-three. Okay, but maybe that's just one lucky year. Okay. Let's go back to three years ago. Okay. Three years ago, if you invested $10,000 in the Dow Jones Industrial Average, you would have $12,700 today. Not as today. good as the year. Not even as no, good as the year no. previous. Uh-uh. However, if you invested uh, $10,000 in Bitcoin three years ago, you would have 35900 That's better. Which one would you rather have? 35900 or 12700 I'd rather have the thirty nine. Okay. All right. Or thirty-five thousand. Thirty-five thousand. Thank you. Four years ago. I feel like I'm on the prices right. <laughs> if you invested ten thousand dollars in the Dow Jones Industrial Average four years ago, uh-huh. you would have thirteen thousand three hundred dollars. Now again, it's kind of thirty-three percent over sure, four years. It's not unbelievable, but it's not a bad good. return. It's a yeah, solid sure. return. Yeah. If you uh, invested that in Bitcoin, you would have thirty-four thousand six hundred dollars. Again. Huh. Almost three times as much money. Let's go back five years ago. If you invested in the Dow Jones Industrial Average, $10,000, you would have $15,800. Hey, that's 58%, right? That's pretty good return on the Dow over five years. Nothing wrong with that. It's a solid investment. That's a great investment. If you invested $10,000 in Bitcoin five years ago, you would have $144,200. Which is bigger. Bigger. Bigger than, than the than the fifteen thousand. It's almost okay. ten times. Almost what ten you would times. have. So you can have. The risk is you could have slightly less than the Dow in the last year, or you could have three times as much in every year in between, and in the fifth year you'd have ten times as much. Which one is dead? Because I the Dow Jones Industrial Average looks like a solid investment. And well, certainly less risky but than the, random cryptocurrency project. But the Dow has something going for it. It's a rigged game. Oh, you know, you've got the Fed yeah. pouring in the money mm-hmm. and the government supporting all of that mm-hmm. to make sure it n- never fails. Mm-hmm. So and Bitcoin doesn't have that. No, In fact, don't. Bitcoin has the opposite of that. No protection. And yet it material. seems to be outperforming. Yeah, I'm going to go with the stocks. I'm going to go with the stocks. Really? Yep. Wow. That's my, that's it. I mean, I know this is a showdown, the showcase showdown here, 
but I'm going to say Bob. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, some of each is a rational approach. Shut up. Recognizing that maybe you might lose in the short term with Bitcoin. What about but like 9,000 in stocks and 1,000 in Bitcoin? That might work very, very That'd well. That'd be crazy. This is the Glenn Beck Program.